0: Thanks for listening to Victory's podcast today. Connecting people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus is what we're all about. For more resources or to reach out to us, go to victorychristian.church. So I've got a question for you today. When you get to the end of your life, to the end of your journey here on earth, do you want to look back and say, I had victory and I'm at peace about it and I'm happy and satisfied with the way that I was able to follow God through my life. I'm not saying everything was perfect, but do you want to have satisfaction over how you lived or do you want to be frustrated and angry with how it went and discouraged and of course, I think every single one of us would look would want to look back and say, "No, we wanted to have a feeling of victory and accomplishment with our life, right?" Well, I don't know how many of you have watched VeggieTales. Who's seen VeggieTales before? I know a lot of us, especially those of us who are parents and stuff, I grew up on VeggieTales. I love VeggieTales. And, um, you know, one of the things my kids have been watching in the car over and over on repeat is the story of Jonah. And I keep hearing about Jonah and, uh, you know, Jonah the asparagus, right? If you don't know (laughs) VeggieTales. And uh, it's, it's a funny, you know, it's funny hearing it in the, from the front, hearing the audio in the back over and over again, but, you know, I started to think about it, and I was like, man, I know Jonah was a prophet, and I know Jonah was called by God, but I do not want to be like this guy, <laughs> right? Think about it. Jonah went through great suffering. He ran from God's will. He had heard from God, but he ran from God's will, and, you know, one thing after another, he, he was thrown off the boat to his death, but a giant fish swallowed him up. And three days later, he was spit up on the beach. And, and he went to Nineveh to preach God's word. But you know what? He did not want to do it. It was the last thing he wanted to do. And I can just see him now going through Nineveh being like, man, well, you know, God's going to destroy you unless you repent. You know, he did not want to do it. And then when God saved Nineveh, he was angry. Jonah was angry that God would save these people because they were his enemies. And I'm thinking about this, and I'm like, this man of God that was called by God to do something, he lived his life in a way that was tragic, really. And he ended, the the story of Jonah ends with him in anger and despair, and we'll read about that in a little bit. But I was thinking, man, that is not the way I want to follow Christ, right? And I was thinking about, well, who do I want to be like? And the name Gideon popped into my head. And Gideon was also tasked with doing something that he didn't really want to do. His people were being oppressed, and God called him to save his people and lead his people to victory, and he's like, "Uh, God, I don't know if you know this, but they have an army and, you know, we're just in hiding." And, you know, he he questioned God, but ultimately through a series of miracles, God showed him that this is actually what I'm telling you to do. And the cool thing is once Gideon got it, he acted on faith and he was bold about what God asked him to do. And we'll talk a little bit more about Gideon as well, Um, but you know, there's, there's several parts to following God's will from you. I've broken into three parts here. The first is you have to hear from God, right? You can't do God's will unless you have first heard from God. And both Gideon and Jonah clearly heard from God. And we're going to talk about how you can hear from God. The second is discerning God's will from you. So once you hear from God, discerning that this is actually what God is saying and not something that's like my view of how things should be done. I think it's from God. But, you know, how do we discern God's will for you? And the third is acting Upon God's will, because clearly, you can hear from God, you can be sure that it's God. But these two men show that you can take a very different path towards following God's will for you. So first, let's talk about hearing from God. I've got a story you've probably heard before, but you know, I don't know if you've heard the flood victim. This this gentleman, uh, he was in this flood, and there's the water was coming up. It started to come in his house, and and he he had to climb up on his roof because he didn't know how to swim and the water was rising and it was scary. And he's like, you know what? I'm a man of faith. So I'm going to pray. And he got up on the roof and he started praying. He's like, God, I have faith. I believe that you will save me. Please save me from this flood. And this rowboat came by and it was a rickety rowboat, a little rocky and everything. And they came by and they said, hey, man, you need a ride? Come on, jump in. Jump in. He's like, ooh, I don't know. That doesn't look very safe. There's not enough room. He's like, you know what? I'm a man of faith. I believe God will save me. Uh, go on your way. That looks a little too scary for me. And so they went on their way. And, and then he keeps praying and the water keeps rising up. And, and this motorboat comes by. And they say, hey, come on, hop in. He's like, oh, I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't, I'm a little scared of that you go on ahead. I believe God's going to save me. I have faith. And the motorboat goes on. He's praying. And the water keeps coming up and up. And there's only a little bit of roof left. And he's like, God, please save me. And this helicopter comes over. And they drop a rope down. They say, climb on up. And he says, oh man, that looks looks really hard to climb. I don't know. I, I have faith. Go on ahead. God will save me. And the water rises and takes the man's life. And he gets to heaven. And he gets to meet God in heaven. And he says, God, I had all this faith. Why didn't you save me? And God said, well, I sent a rowboat, I sent a motorboat, I sent a helicopter. What else did you expect? And you know, it's a silly story, but there's a lot of truth to it. You see, God can have a plan for us, but if we ignore God's plan and we don't listen to what he's saying, then we can, we can miss the boat, literally, right? Like We can miss God's plan for us if we ignore what he is saying to us. And so the first step towards following God's plan for us is hearing from God. I've got some scriptures to talk about with this because I think the Bible has a lot to say about God's will for us and how to follow it. So first, I'm going to talk about Hebrews 11.6. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Now, there's two parts to this verse. The first is you first have to believe that he exists. You cannot please God unless you believe that he exists. And this is actually something that a lot of Americans get wrong because when you talk to people about you know, when, when you get to heaven, do you, think you, do you think God will let you into heaven? Do you think you will get to heaven? A lot of people say yes, and you say, well, why? You say, well, I was a pretty good person. I did a lot of good things, right? And that's a very common view in our country, is that all we've got to do is be a good person and that we can get to heaven. But I hate to break it to you, but the Bible says that it is impossible to please God unless you believe that he exists, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. You see, no matter what we do, no matter how good we are, we can never be perfect enough to deserve Christ's love. You can't do it. No matter how good we are, we cannot make our way to heaven. But fortunately, God sent his son Jesus to pay for our mistakes, to pay for our sins. And if we believe in him, we are covered by his blood and his forgiveness. And we can have that relationship to God. And if you haven't done that today, the Bible says that if you confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. You know, the Bible just talks about how we need to confess what we've done and believe in God. And we can have that relationship with Him. So if you haven't done that, I encourage you, you know, we would love to talk with you. You can put on your Connect card, you can write that we want, I want to talk to the pastor more, and we have plenty of people that would love to talk to you, but for the purposes of this message, I'm going to assume that you've made that decision because you cannot hear from God and act on his will and please him unless you first have that relationship with God. But assuming you've done that, we're going to go to the second part of the verse here. So the second part is, anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So God rewards those who seek him. So hearing from God starts with seeking after him and that relationship with him. Jeremiah 29, 13. This is my favorite verse on the topic. It says, seek me and you will find me if you search for me with all your heart. Now, what does it mean to search for God with all your heart? That's a little bit of a challenging one for us, right? Because it's a promise. Seek me and you will find me if you search for me With all your heart. Well, I think I have a pretty good way to describe this. As I was thinking about this and praying about this years ago, God really put on my heart something that really, it was like a light bulb that went off. It's like, oh, that's it. This is how you search for God with all your heart. Think about your biggest crush all right? I want you to think about your biggest crush, okay? If you're married, think about the crush you first had on your spouse when you met them, or if you're not married, you know, think about whatever your biggest crush is. And imagine before you, before, you know, when you just got to know them, you had this crush, imagine you work up the courage to go tell them how you feel. You pour out your heart to them. You say, man, I think you're so awesome, and this is why, and, You know, I really feel like you're an amazing person. You you know, you build up that courage to tell your crush how you feel. Imagine if their response was, well, you say, so what do you think? And imagine if their response was, eh, you're all right. Oh, man, that's devastating, right? Like, I think we can all imagine building up the courage, and then they're like, eh, you're all right. That would feel awful. And you know what? That's exactly a parallel to this verse, because God sent his son Jesus to die for you and pay for your sins. And he wants to have that relationship with you. And you know, when it says, seek me and you'll find me if you search for me with all your heart, it's a lot like that first crush. You know what it means to be all in. You don't want a half-hearted response. You want that person to be all in. And that's what God wants for us. And the cool thing is, he promises that you will find him if you search for him with all your heart. If you're all in for Christ, that he will show up and he will start talking to you and and you know you will have that relationship with him. So if you're not there yet, I encourage you to think about this and think about how you can pursue Christ and you know you can pursue him through prayer, through scripture, um, through fellowship. there's a lot of different ways, but all your heart is kind of I think you kind of inherently understand that all-in feeling, right? So let's say we get to a point where we're hearing from God and God puts something on our heart, and we feel like, okay, I think God is telling me to do this. Well, how do you discern the will of God? And we're going to talk about three methods of discernment. But I want to say, not everything that we feel like is from God is necessarily, immediately something that you should say, yes, this is definitely from God. I'm going to go act on this. In fact, you know, Romans 12.2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, this verse is interesting. It says you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. That is super important because when we are praying and we're trying to make big life decisions, you know, we will have things put on our heart or we'll think about things and we will be wrestling with whether this is God's will for us. And, you know, it's a process Of discerning what God's will for us is. And we don't always get it right. And it's important to be open to the methods of discernment here. So let me tell you a story, a true story that happened to me recently. So I was uh, following up with our Connect cards, and somebody had put the wrong number on there. And so I got this person that had never been to victory and, you know, not nobody that you know in the congregation, anything like that. But they wanted to talk because they saw I was a pastor, I had texted, and they're like, hey, we we want to talk. We've got some things we want to talk about. And so I called I called this gentleman up. Let's call him Tom. And, uh, you know, Tom is in a tough spot. Tom has two special needs kids. And it's a big challenge. You can tell, it's a big challenge for him. and and he has certain things that he feels like are the right thing that he's supposed to do. He doesn't feel like he should send his kids to public school because he doesn't think, Public schools teaching Christian values as much as they should and you know I agree with that Um, and you know Tom feels like like they have to homeschool and so his wife is homeschooling but because the, the special needs that are going on she's overwhelmed so he feels like he needs to support her so he doesn't feel like he has the time to be able to work because he has to help her so he's living in a bus that's been converted to an RV and she's living with her mom and they're living close to each other But he is struggling. He's like, I haven't been to church in about five weeks because I can't pay for gas money. And I was I was trying to encourage him that, you know, maybe you should look at a program that they can go, like find a public school they can go in to get the help they need so you can work and provide for your family. And he's like, oh well, no, he's like, that was an easy decision for me. Clearly, they should be homeschooled because he doesn't believe in the, the system. But I explained to him, you know. You're choosing to sacrifice in some area, no matter what you do. You're choosing to sacrifice. Right now, you're choosing to sacrifice and providing for your family because you have this belief. And, you know, he wasn't willing to hear it or, or listen to advice, but the fact is the Bible talks a lot about how work and provision is a good thing. And, you know, he was blinded to one area because he already had a preconceived idea of what the right thing was. Now, I'm not trying to get into all the details of where Tom needs to make any adjustments, but I really felt for him because you know, he was going off of what his idea was without pursuing what the Scripture said and what others in his life were to say. And you know, when we face difficult things in our life, it's really important to make discernment as to whether this is from God or whether this is what I feel like is the right thing. So let's talk about the three methods of discernment right here, because we've all been there with tough decisions in our life, and it's really important to know the right ways to pursue this and the right ways to discern, is this coming from God, or is this what I feel like is best? So the first, and arguably the most important one, is scripture. You see, the Bible says in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, that all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Um, That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Now, what this is saying is that Scripture is the Word of God. It's the will of God. So the very first thing you should do when you're looking at discerning if something is the will of God is you should run it through Scripture. If something is not biblical then it's not the will of God. And this can go in several ways. One is, if, it's, if it does align with Scripture, that's a confirmation, right? So like if God is putting on your heart, I really should speak to my neighbor about, about Christ. If God's putting that on your heart, you can bet that is probably the will of God because the Bible says to go and make disciples, right? That is a command of God. So it does align. Or if something goes against Scripture, clearly, That's something that we should think long and hard about before we say that's the will of God. And so the Bible is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Psalm 119, 105 also says, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light to my path. It's like illuminating your way. And so you should always go to Scripture first to see if what you are looking at aligns with the will of God. Now, the next thing is prayer. We should be in prayer about what we are trying to discern. You know, it's like a wrestling match with God. Jacob wrestled with God. And, and, you know, the process of determining whether something is God's will is a lot like a wrestling match with God and praying through it, reading Scripture, and trying to discern what God's will is. James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. I think this is a cool verse because The Bible says if we ask for wisdom, God will give it to us. And asking for wisdom about about his will is part of what we should be doing. And the last thing is godly counsel and affirmation. Proverbs 11.14 says, In the multitude of counselors, there is safety. And, you know, in my own life, I've had several periods where I felt like God was putting something on my heart. And they were big decisions. And fortunately, I had some godly people in my life to go to. I I remember very clearly um, my last big career decision I had, I was really struggling through it because I wasn't sure what the right thing to do was. And Pastor Mike walked alongside me. We literally had walks, you know, many times and going for like half an hour, an hour just talking through what God was putting on my heart and what I should do. And it wasn't a black and white decision. It wasn't a super easy thing. But he was able to help me have godly counsel and wisdom as far as what to do. And let me say, for those of you who are married, the best person to go to, the first person to go to, is your spouse, especially if they are a believer. Because you want to be unified with your spouse when you're making decisions like this. And You know, this isn't direct scripture, but I think it's a very godly thing to pray that God will give your spouse peace about a decision you are making. Because if you are trying to make this decision and your spouse isn't at peace about it, then there's division in your relationship. And I know with me, Jenny has been a wonderful person to lean on for these big decisions. And, you know, I've prayed that God would show her what he's showing me as far as these, these leanings in my life and where he is leading me. And he doesn't always give Jenny a clear picture of what it is that I'm feeling, but I, I love it when God gives her peace about the situation and about the decision. And that is, that's a huge thing. If you're married, it is a huge deal to be unified in the decision so that when things get tough, and sometimes they do, that you will have each other's back. And so I encourage you, You know, in the multitude of counselors, there is safety, and there's no better counselor than your spouse. And so I encourage you to discern in these three ways, scripture, prayer, and godly counsel. And once you've done those, it's a whole lot easier to move forward with confidence that you are doing the will of God. And I think back to Gideon, right? Gideon was called to do God's will, and it wasn't an easy thing. And he sought confirmation from the Lord. And God gave him that confirmation to the point where he was all in. He was like, okay, I know the will of God. And that brings us to the last step, which is once you have discerned the will of God, and you, have, you know what God is telling you to do, how do you act on the will of God? And, you know, Scripture is clear. We don't always act well on the Word of God. Just because you know what God wants you to do doesn't automatically mean you're going to do it well. And I think... Jonah is a good example of that, but before we go into Jonah versus Gideon a little bit more, I want to reassure you on one thing, because a lot of times as Christians, we might get a little caught up on what if we screw it up, right? Because we know we're not perfect. What if we mess up? Well, Romans 8.28 says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. To those who are called according to His purpose. And I know for me, this brings me a lot of reassurance because I've messed up in my life. I have done things that I regret. But God has continually used those for good because I know I'm called and I know that I'm trying to pursue Christ and following Him. So even when I mess up, God uses it for good. And you know, Jonah is actually a pretty good example of this, right? Jonah screwed up. Pretty bad, and he messed up in several ways. He ran from God, but God's will was still done. Do you see that God still accomplished His purposes through Jonah, even though Jonah was highly flawed? So, I want to uh, I want to read Jonah four because Jonah four kind of gives the ending of of the story of Jonah, and it shows how he ended up. So, obviously. He was called to go to these people that he hated, and he ended up going very unwillingly to these people, but he had such a bad attitude about it that it kind of messed up his life. And this is how Jonah ended here. In Jonah 4, it says, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall first, first by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city where he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. I'm going to stop there for a second. You see what Jonah was doing? He had preached to Nineveh very reluctantly. He said, you are going to be destroyed unless you repent. And then he walked out, made a shelter, and sat there waiting to watch the city be destroyed. That's what he was doing. He went and he was like, okay, I'm going to watch to see. I'm ready. God smite the city of Nineveh. But God had other plans. It is, he said. I am so angry, I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, You have been concerned about this plant. Though you did not tend it or make it grow, it sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? You see, God had compassion on the people of Nineveh, that Jonah... Never had, and in our life, we get to decide: Do we want to pursue God's will despite our own beliefs and opinions, or do we want to do we want to hold anger and hold you know hold uh, frustration in ourselves? And I can tell you, I don't want to end up like Jonah. Yes, God used him, but he ended up a bitter man that was angry at what God was doing. And you know, I contrast that with Gideon because Gideon, I, most of you know the story, but you know, once Gideon was called, he was supposed to free the people of Israel from this army. And he started with this large army, right? And God said, you know what? That's too many people. Send some of them home. And so he said, anybody that doesn't want to be here, go home. And they lost most of their people. And then you know, they were continuing on and God said, there's still too many people. You know, and think about this. If you're leading a group of people into battle to free your country, do you feel like you have too many people? That's kind of a crazy thought, right? But no, God wanted to make sure that they knew this was God's victory, not the people's, not Gideon's, it was God's victory. And so he sent most of the people home again. And Gideon just had, I believe it was a hundred men. And they went and God told them to surround the enemy and put up torches and smash pots on the ground. They made this loud noise and did trumpets and made this loud sound. And the enemy killed themselves. And it was a miraculous deliverance from God. But it's all because Gideon chose to follow God even when it sounded crazy. Even when it defied human logic. But instead of protesting and being against what God said, he said, No, I am going to follow God. And the story of Gideon ends much different than the story of Jonah. Judges 8, 28 says, Thus Midian was subdued before the Israelites and did not raise its head again. During Gideon's lifetime, the land had peace for 40 years. Now, I don't know about you, but when my life draws to a close, I want to be able to look back at a story similar to Gideon and say, you know what? God used me in a powerful way. The land was at peace for 40 years during Gideon's whole life. You know, God used him in a powerful way because he was able to look at God's plan and say, you know what, God, I am all in for you. Whereas Jonah fought it the whole time, ended up angry and bitter. God's plan was done in both ways. But when it comes to us, I think we need to make a decision. Do we want to pursue God's plan with boldness and in faith? I want you to remember back to Hebrews 11:6. We started with that, that God rewards those who earnestly seek him. And so as we leave today, you know, be thinking about, first of all, are you hearing from God? If not, you know, pursue Him. And then we talked about how to discern what His will is for you. And then when it comes to those tough things in life, God may be telling you to do something to step out on faith. And I know there's a few times that God has called me to step out on faith. And let me say, it is usually not comfortable. God rarely calls us to do something that is already within our comfort zone. Usually he's pushing us to do something that isn't so comfortable for us. And and you know, so making sure, discerning that it's his will, but then acting on faith and saying, God, you know, even though this is not a comfortable thing for me, I'm going to pursue it. And so in each and every one of our lives, it's important to make the decision whether we are going to follow Christ with boldness and in faith, even if it's not comfortable for us. So I'm going to close this with prayer and then we'll dismiss. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son to die for us so that we can have a relationship with you. And thank you that you promised to show up when we seek you with all our heart. I ask that when you do reveal your will to us and we pursue it, I ask that you will help us to pursue it with boldness and in faith and to trust that your will will be rewarding for us and that it will be the right thing for us as we pursue you in Jesus name. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like to know how you can give, go to victorychristian.church.